Welcome to the Journey Church Podcast. It's our hope that the next few moments lead you closer to Jesus, encourage you to grow, and equip you to exist for those not yet here. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to our podcast so that we can bring you fresh content every week as you continue in your walk with Christ. Make as much noise as you can possibly make. Let's put our hands together. Let's welcome everyone everywhere else in Montgomeryville and uh, Plymouth Meeting in Royersford and in Limerick. And in Phoenixville, and something, something cool that's happening that we're, we're kind of experimenting with today is I think we have about 20 guys uh, in recovery houses called Right Direction Living. Am I getting that right? Right Direction Living. There's 20 guys watching right now. Would you clap for them all over our campuses as well? We will take the gospel wherever we can take it. Any means, means necessary. Uh, and I am excited. We will do that as many times as we possibly can through the power of the interwebs. I love the internet. And so, man, we love to use technology. We're grateful that you're joining us uh, today. And uh, we're going to start a, a very specific series today uh, on marriage. Uh, but here's what I, want, I don't want you to do. I want you to check out. If you're not married, I want you to be like, I'm not, this isn't for me. I'm not listening to this. Very selfish mindset, by the way. Uh, God won't be able to do anything in your life. And I can promise you at some point, uh, he's going to speak to you through these, these, next, these next few weeks. Uh, and also, most of you at one point in your life will be married. Like it's just, I, I, read, I read a bunch of articles this week. And it was a lot of negative criticism of the institution of marriage. It said stuff like, marriage is dying, people are going away from marriage, people don't want to get married, blah, 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 blah. So then I did some research, and I'm like, well, if that's true, then you know, the, the business of weddings and marriage should be dramatically slowing down, right? Because they'll also say, uh, like, malls are closing down, right? And I know that that is true. Like, retail is, is changing. Everybody's getting their stuff online. And how many of you are husbands? You appreciate Amazon. If you have a wife, you're like, she, my wife was like, I need to go to Ulta. And I was like, okay, let's go to Ulta. And she was like, never mind, I got it on Amazon. And I was like, Amazon's from Jesus, right? And so, like, <laughs> Amazon, like, I'll go because I'm a husband. But if I can stay away from Ulta, I, I will. Like, I'm just, just saying. And so you drive by the Coventry Mall if you're from this area, if you grew up in this area, and, and it suggests that retail is, is dying. Like, it's actually sad for me to drive by the Coventry Mall, and I blame the Philadelphia Premium Outlets, and that's another sermon for you of resentment, and so uh, for ruining my childhood. Uh, but anyway, and so they say marriage is, is, is failing, and I did some studying this week, and uh, they said that the average couple in America takes about 19 months to, to plan out their wedding right now, Ni- 19 months, uh, a year and a half. Uh, but this is what I thought was interesting. This year, in 2019, there's going to be 2.21 million weddings planned in, in, in America, and the typical cost, if you are a father to a daughter right now, you might want to earmuff this, and I'm not. I only have boys through the grace of God, and I believe this tradition is God-ordained tradition where the, 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 the but the average wedding costs 26,000, it's almost painful for me to say, dollars right now. With the total cost this, this year being spent of over $59 billion on, on, on weddings. And so here, here's the thing, they could say the institution of marriage is dying, but it's clearly not. In fact, we all know this. Like the Bible says really early on in Genesis 2, the, the Lord God said, he said, it is not good for man to be alone, so I'm going to make a helper suitable for him. So here's what man figured out really early on. Uh, God puts him in the garden. Everything is perfect. Can name the animals. I mean, has free reign of this perfect world. And the Bible says the man is still lonely. 
And God realizes he needs a, a woman, a helpmate, a, a soulmate, somebody to be connected, a partner. And so God puts him to sleep and takes a rib out of, of Adam's side, and he forms, he forms Mary, or not Mary, sorry, Eve, man, I gotta get my, <laughs> he forms Eve. The name's Eve, don't quote, like don't, Adam and Eve, right? And so, and he forms Adam and, and Eve, right? And, and from now, from that, from we, we know, like we know, we know we want to be married. We, we know we want to be in a relationship. We, we know most of us want to be, want to be connected. Uh, but what I read this week was, was so interesting is people, um, if you ask married couples right now, you say, hey, what is, what, 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 are you happy? Are you satisfied? Are you, are you this? Six out of 10 currently married, married couples, if you say, are you happy, you know what they say? No. No. So something is, is amiss. In fact, uh, in 1958, the average age that, 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 a, that a male got married was right around 22 years old. Haven't times changed? Like most males at 22, you know, are, are defeating, you know, level 10 on Fortnite, right? Like that's <laughs> just where we're at right now. Like finding themselves, spending a lot of time on Tinder and stuff like that. Like it's just a different, a different, like in, in 1958, you know, 67 years ago, the average age that a, that a male got married is 22. For females, right around 20. In fact, I talked to my, my, uh, my wife's grandma one time, and I said, how old were you when you got married? Because you're not that old right now, uh, but your kids have been grown for a long time. She said, 16. I was like, what? I have a 12-year-old. Like, I can't, he could can barely keep up with, you know, brushing his teeth. And you were, you were married at that point? Stuff has changed, though. In 2019, the average age of a man was almost 30. The average age of a, of a woman is almost 28. And, and studies suggest all sorts of reasons. Social media, you know, nobody wants to settle down because they're worried they're not going get to the, get the best. Rugged individualism, which is this, this teaching that you should be, be by yourself, be okay by yourself. And I think there's points to that that's true. Uh, I think the reason people are waiting so long is they're terrified. I think single people look at the market... And they go, six out of 10 people that are married, even though they spent $26,000 and they had the perfect you know, photographer and the perfect hashtag, whatever your hashtag was, and all these you know, pictures and all this happy home, and you have a Pinterest, or, you know, my happy home, and all these things, under, under the scenes, you know, behind the scenes, people are just not that, that happy. And I think single people go, I want no part of that. It's like, it's like watching uh, the ride at Dorney Park, the flume ride. I don't know if you ever spent any time at Dorney Park, but I remember they had a flume ride, uh, which was like a normal flume ride. Like you got kind of wet. And when you went down, you got kind of wet, depending on what seat you were on. There was four seats and you would get kind of wet. You know, it would, it would, it would refresh you to the point where you weren't soggy, right? But when I was about 18 years old, they put in uh, this, this flume ride on steroids. I don't even remember the name of it. Uh, but it, it, you would go on the ride, and you would come off completely drenched. And I remember the first time I walked up to the ride, and I watched people in line, you know, completely dry, completely, like, happy. Their hair was done. They were laughing. And they would come off the ride, and I would see kids just terrified by this water. And, and, and guys' hair would be all messed up, and girls would be, you know, their makeup would be running down their face. And in tears, you messed up my thing. And I'm like, I don't want to go on that ride. I'll go on the normal flume ride because you get a little wet. I'm not going on the one you get soaking wet. That's going to ruin my entire day. I don't want soggy socks, right? I don't want to spend $5 to stand in the fake machine that does not dry you off. If you've used it, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I don't want to be part of that. And so you stand back and you witness this. You're like, I don't want anything to do with that. Because the truth is it's staggering the amount of people that are failing at marriage. Everybody wants to be married. But I also did some research on divorce this, this week, and I found out that every 36 seconds... Uh, a divorce happens in America right now, every 36 seconds. 
that there's 2,400 divorces a day, that there's 16,800 divorces per week, and there's 876,000 divorces every year. That about 45% of people that get married for the first time will end up in divorce, usually within the first eight years. All those people that end up in divorce within the first eight years, they usually spend two years thinking about getting divorced. And then, the, the stu- then, then people, like you would think most people won't get married, but three out of four people that, that face that painful situation go back into it again. I got soaking wet, I'm miserable, my socks are all soggy. You know what, I'm, I'm going to try it again. I was with the wrong person. It gets even worse because on the, by the second marriage, 60% of those marriages end up in divorce. And by the third one, 73% of, your, of the marriages end up in divorce. And if you're on the fourth one, it's not looking so good for you. So what are we, we to do with this topic? And so I came with, up with this title called I Hate My Marriage. And here's what I want to do. I want you to give God five weeks. Can you do that? Five weeks. Some of you in a very real moment right now, you are, you're thinking about getting divorced. Some of you are separated right now, and you're here by yourself, and you, you know, you're like, what am I supposed to do now? It's a little too late. Why don't you preach, preach this you know, in December? And one, because we, it was Christmas. We were talking about Jesus' birth, right? <laughs> Might be why you're separated. <laughs> and, and two, uh, you, God can do a work in you. Oftentimes, to heal your marriage, he first has to do a work inside of you. It's not even about the other person. But give them five weeks. Do me a favor. Five straight. Some of you, this is going to be a, this is going to be a miracle. Five straight weeks at church. I'm going to tell you exactly what we're going to talk about. Five straight weeks. Be here. Sit as close as you can sit. Bring a notebook. Open up your app. Take notes. Get a Bible plan. Read about marriage. Focus on marriage. Some of you need to come to marriage class. You weren't one of the over 100 people that came last Monday. We still have about 50 seats available. So if you want to come tomorrow night, you only miss one week. Come to marriage class. Do everything that you need to do in the next, the next five weeks to focus everything you have on your marriage. On top of that, don't just don't pray. Pray for yourself, not your spouse. Some of you are like, I've been praying for my spouse for a long time. Pray for yourself. Not selfish prayers. God, get me out of this marriage. God, save me. God, you want to, you know, take them to heaven early, you know, do that. And get me out of it. Look, pray, 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 for, pray, for the, pray for yourself. God, would you, would you make, would you create, would you do what you need to do in me to make me the spouse that I'm supposed to be? And then when you do pray for your spouse, pray that they would feel you changing to become more like Jesus. So you can begin to heal your marriage for five weeks. And here's the promise of scripture. God can do more in those five weeks than all of the garbage that's happened in your life up to this point. That's that's the promise of scripture. The Bible says it's better to be with with God than it is to be a thousands elsewhere. So what I want to do is I want to jump into the book of of Song of Solomon. Some of you in your Bibles, it's called Song of Songs. And uh, what that means is it's just the best song. Like this, this man named Solomon uh, wrote this, and he wrote a bunch of songs, a bunch of poems, and when they said it's the song of songs, what they're saying is, like, if he had a hit, uh, if he had a bunch of songs, this was, the, like, the number one hit, and the book is all about relationships. If you, if you want to read through it, I'm not going to read through the entire book in, in, in these messages, but the book is really a conversation between uh, a guy, a girl, they're going to get married, and the girl's friends, of course. Can I get an amen there? And so, uh, and that's, that, is, that is the characters in it. So if there was a play, you would have the guy, the girl, and, and the girl's friends. And so you have this conversation happening, and it's really unique. In fact, uh, it's a kind of a detailed, uh, I don't want to say erotic book, but that's kind of what it is. It takes you through the, the, them dating. And so if you have a kid in here right now, you might want to check them in. I'm just letting you know. 
I have no problem talking to them about this, but if they're in here and you don't want them to hear about this, you should take them away. And somebody's saying, I can't believe you're talking about this in church. It's in the Bible. We have to. It's the law. And so, like, we're going to talk about this. And this book is kind of detailed. Like, it's just, it's just, it takes you in a, in a, a meet. They, they kind of have this love story where this shepherd girl meets this king. It sounds like every, you know, every Hallmark movie, this king. And this king, though he could have the choicest of women of all the land, he falls in love with this simple shepherd girl. And she's super insecure because she's tan. And she's been called, you know, they, her brothers have punished her and made her work out in the, in, in the fields. And now she's tan and her skin is weathered. And she's embarrassed because people of, of money at that point were, 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 were pale and light-skinned and, you know, no wrinkles. It's almost flipped at this point like if you're pale we pray for you in our day and age but at that point she's embarrassed and Solomon is telling her like no 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 you're like your, your skin is fine like girl like I love tan skin and like all this stuff and they end up they end up getting prepared for marriage you read the Bible then they get married and then and then they give you a detailed look and we're going to take go into this chapter and if I warn you before we go into this chapter uh, but they go into this this detailed kind of uh, description of their honeymoon night, and then they go, they, they're, they're married, and they go through kind of some marriage problems, and they come back, and, and, and the, the interesting part of the book is it's actually written by, by Solomon in his older age, and many theologians believe this is about his first wife, but if you know the Bible, you know he was, he was he kind of messed up, and it wasn't his last wife. He actually had 700 wives, over 300 concubines, which those were just women that were at his disposal when he, when he, when he wanted them. That's, this was kind of the culture at that point. And he messed up. And so when he's writing this, he's not writing this as somebody who did it right. What he's saying is don't, don't, don't do what I did. But when you find this relationship with this first person, I'm going to teach you how to kind of finish, finish well. And, and I'm teach you the, the mistakes that I've made and the issues that, that, that I did that kind of created conflict in my marriage. And so that's what this book is about. And I want to take you into what I think is the most significant passage in this book as we kind of walk, if you read it, you'll see they're developing this relationship, they're conversating. But in Song of Solomon chapter 2, he talks. And you'll notice something interesting. He doesn't talk a whole lot. The woman talks more, right? She talks a lot, and, and then he'll, he'll interject with some of, some of his, his speech. And in Song of Solomon chapter 2, verse number 14, here's what he says to his, his future body. He says, my dove in the clefts of the rock, in the hiding places of the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. And now this, is what, this, is, this verse is really important. This is going to be our foundation for the rest of this series. He says, catch for us the foxes. The little foxes that ruin the vineyards are vineyards that are in full bloom. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, we have this relationship, and it is growing in a healthy manner. He compares it to a vineyard in bloom. I don't know what, what they're growing, but they're growing. And he says, here's what we need to remember. This thing is going strong. We're, we're growing together. We're getting to know each other. We're going towards marriage. We're going to be married. And we need to remember something when we get married. Here's what we need to remember. We need to make sure we catch the little foxes, the little foxes that are trying to ruin this vineyard and bloom. And here's what he is saying. He, he's, he's using like kind of uh, poetic language to tell you, here's how marriages get ruined. They don't, nobody, nobody shows up at the altar, looks the person in the eyes and says, within eight years, I'm going to hate you. I'm going to despise the way you look. I'm going to despise the way you talk. I'm going to despise how you smell. You're going to chew too loud. And I am going to leave you. We're going to get divorced. Nobody ever, nobody says, hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell my dad I'm going to spend $26,000 on this wedding, and within four years I'm going to be divorced. Nobody does that. Nobody walks down the altar. Everybody walks down the altar, looks that person in the eyes and says, man, I cannot wait to spend my life with you. 
all these dreams, all these ambitions. We're going to have three kids. They're going to have blonde hair, blue eyes. One's going to be an engineer. You know, one's going to be a pilot. One's probably going to be the president of the United States. We're going to, you know, they're going to get married to this, this, and you have this plan. And we're going to live in this house and spend this time. And you're going to work here and come home every night at five o'clock. We're going to put the kids to bed at eight every night. They're going to go to bed at eight. We're going to go up to our room and, you know, we're going to, we're going to keep making babies or we're going to practice making babies, whatever that looks like. And, and we're going to go on these romantic dinners and travel and all these other, and then reality hits. And you have all these issues. And here's the thing about marriage. It doesn't usually fall apart overnight, right? It's not like you show up one day, you're like, I hate you. It's over time. And what he's saying, you need to write this down. He's saying most people aren't even aware of these little fox. Because you ever, you ever have a fox like in, or in your yard on your property? They don't hang out. Like I saw one in my yard the other week and I was watching through my window and my six-year-old came up and I'm like, shh, shh. And he's like, he can't hear me. I'm like, everybody can hear you. <laughs> Banging on the window at the fox. I'm like, this has never happened. And as soon as he bangs on the window, the fox turned and he ran. And the thing is, foxes are sly, they're quick moving, they're hard to catch. And they do a lot of damage without ever being caught. And so what I want to do is I want to spend the next five weeks and I want to take a look at what, what I would call some of these little foxes that are probably ruining your marriage right now. You're not at divorce right now because of last night. There's foxes that have gotten into something that was growing healthy at one point that, that is now no longer, no longer grown. And so what I want to do is I want to give you kind of where we're going for the next couple of weeks. Next year, we're going to talk about the little fox of underappreciation. Here's what I know about your marriage. Uh, you once valued it very, very highly on your list. And at some point, many of us stop taking our, start taking our, our marriage for granted. And what you take for granted, you always end up losing. That's what happens. That is, that, that is, that is everything. Once you take for granted and treat something as normal, you typically end up losing. So we're going to talk about going back to valuing the person that you, you married. Then we're going to take about, talk about the little fox of being unteachable. Some of you are like, if you would just preach something good, that would fix my spouse this week. And he would just listen. It's always he, by the way. And he would just listen and take notes. Are you taking notes, by the way? And the truth is, we both, we both have a problem with being teachable. If you think you know it all, you are probably not a good spouse. I'm just letting you know. If you think you know everything and your partner is the reason that your marriage is probably falling apart, you are probably the reason your marriage is falling apart. Then we're going to talk about the little fox of being unavailable. Unavailable with your body, unavailable with your time, unavailable with your mind. We're going to talk a little bit about those little screens that you spend more time touching than you do your spouse. If you spend more time rubbing on your screen than you do rubbing on your spouse, you probably are having marriage problems right now. Oh, you want to be here for that. That's going to be fun, right? And the last thing we're going to talk about, the most important one, the little fox of unforgiveness. The little fox of unforgiveness. But today I want to talk to you about kind of a foundational one. And if you were at marriage class, we started at almost the exact same place. And so I thought it would be good to kind of catch you up in case you're deciding you're going to come tomorrow or you want to kind of know where we went. But I want to talk to you about the little fox of unrealistic expectations. You know, nothing destroys a marriage relationship faster than unrealistic expectations. In fact, some of you are, are struggling in heartbreak right, right now. But really the result of that heartbreak is, is, is unrealistic expectations of that person. You have unrealistic, like we talked about some in, in, our, in, our, in our class, that our class we had, the unrealistic expectations, like they both want, we both want the same thing in marriage, or I love this one we talked about, uh, everything good is just going to get better, and everything bad will go away. Is that true, married people? Marriage is a magnifier, so whatever is bad, it just gets worse, right? 
everything bad. And my favorite un unrealistic expectation is they're my soulmate. And they will complete me. I have, I have issues. They have issues. Together, we'll be one whole person, right? Just not true. One freak and another freak just makes a big freak, right? <laughs> and you and me, we got problems. It's just the way that we all have issues. So we're going we're gonna to kind of talk about expectations today because I think a lot of you, it's getting in the way. And here, this, this is the problem. There's a difference between being scared and being prepared. And I want to get you prepared. You ever been scared by somebody to walk and they scare you, right? And then you know they're there and they try to jump out at you again and you, what, right? Why? Because this time you were prepared. You ever ride a ride? The first time you ride it, you don't know what's going to happen. You know, you go up that thing, the roller coaster. I did it with my kid this year at, at SeaWorld. I'm a grown man, almost 40 years old. And he, he begged me to sit in the front of the roller coaster. And I, I was like, no, I can't. Why? Because, you know, my pacemaker. I don't have my pacemaker, right? <laughs> so we're in the third, we're in the third seat back. And I didn't want to tell my, my 10-year-old son, the reason I don't want to say it is I am terrified right now. I've been watching people go up that. I don't know what's going to happen. And so we went up, and then we went straight down. And, and the thing about this roller coaster is there was no, like, it was just a lap bar. There was no, like, like this. I was like, this is not right for insurance purposes. <laughs> but then we rode it again and again and again and again. I never rode in the front, though. Well, I'm not that dumb, right? But we rode it again. And, and the thing is, it became less scary. And the reason is because I was prepared for it. It was the same ride, but I was prepared. And what I want to do is I want to kind of help you to understand there's some things that people, that, that they often allow to sneak up on them in marriage, some, some foxes that sneak up on, on people when it comes to expectations. So I want to give you three today uh, that I think a, a lot of you have been shocked by. Number one is this, is oftentimes in marriage, uh, we're, we're, we're shocked to, to know uh, we don't expect to, to sweat or we don't expect hard work. We, we don't. We just, we get married Think about, think about the, the language that we use. When, when you start a relationship with, with, your, with your significant other and it got all hot and heavy and you started going to the altar, what did you say to each other? Or what did, how did you, you say, you say something like this, we fell in love, right? You fall, it, 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 is there any effort in falling? Like when's the last time you were like, you know what I'm gonna do, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fall. You, you're just walking and, and you trip and you fall. Most of the time you play it off like you didn't fall, right? Like nobody, you just fall. And in the beginning of the marriage, we use this, this language, we're just falling in love. So everything is about falling. They tell a joke. You fall into laughter, right? Every conversation that your spouse has in the beginning, that's not your spouse. They're talking. Your, 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 your future wife is sharing every detail of the conversation that he had or she had with, with, with this, with, her, with, with, the, with the tone and the voice and sharing you all these. You ever had this argument with your spouse, with, with your husband? My wife would be like, share the details. I'm like, I did. He said this. That's all I got. He's like, no, no, I want to know like the language and the, how it was and how she looked and how he looked and what were their eyes. Did they roll them? You know, how, did they, how many breaths did they take and all this stuff? And I'm like, I, she said this. But in the beginning of marriage, your significant other, because usually girls, they give more details. And you, what do you do as a, as, a, as a future husband? Because you want to impress them. You fall into that conversation. I love to know you know, about the weather on that day and how your hair was and if it was frizzy or if it stayed in place. And, and you fall into that, right? When you're at, when you're at dinner, every, everything, you, you, every, every meal you have is the best meal and it's, the jokes are funny and nothing's annoying. You just fall into that. You fall in love. There is no work there. And then you get married and guess what you stop doing? You stop falling. That's not marriage. And the problem is some of you think that that's what marriage is. You're just going to keep falling. And all of a sudden they tell a joke and you heard that joke nine months ago. You already fell, right? And now you're like, tell a new joke. 
And your wife starts telling you the details of her day. And it's been like, you know, 13 seconds. And you're like, I heard enough. Can you just get to the point? Because the game is on, right? When you were dating, there was no game on. And even if there was, your, your wife, your future wife was going, I love this team. I love, I love when they score a goal in the Eagles game, right? And I love all this. And, they're, and then after you get married, she's like, I don't want to watch the Eagles. And I don't want to watch, you know, a war movie. I want to watch The Notebook. And you're like, well, you knew you were so cool when we were dating. You watched like Thor. Is like, no, I want to watch The Notebook now. And all of a sudden, there's work involved. And it's almost shocking to people. A few years ago, I was, at, I was on vacation in Myrtle Beach, and my wife was going to do a workout video, and uh, some of you are going to understand where this is going. And uh, I was there with her, and I, you know, it was one of those moments where she was like, you want to do my workout video? I was like, yeah. How long is it? 30 minutes? I'm like, Psh. I was like, what do we use? Weights? She was like, yeah, I got, I got seven pounds, and I got five-pound weights. You know, the ones that have a little rubber, pink and blue. Like, you're like which ones do you want? And I was like, well, of course I'm the man, and I'm stronger than you, so I'll take the seven-pound blue weights, you know? Thank you, Alex. And so I took the weights, and we started doing this exercise, and we're like, I mean, three minutes into it. She's doing the, you know, the, all this stuff, and, you know, just all this. And, you know, you ever watch your wife? Sometimes I, I, like, walk by, and just peek at my wife, and she's like, stop looking at me! And I'm like, girl, I didn't know you had that much rhythm, right? Get a straw with that shake, you know what I'm saying? And so she... She's doing all this, and, she, and I'm, doing it with, I'm doing it with her, and I'm like three or four minutes into this thing, and I'm like, hey, yo, listen, listen, when I go to the gym, uh, when I do that, I'm more like lift heavy and then, and then recuperate my muscles, you know, so I have 30 seconds of hard work, and then followed by three minutes of Facebook time, and so I'm trying to figure out, when do we get a break? And she said, it's only 30 minutes, you don't get a break till the end, and so she just keeps going. About 15 minutes into it, the weights are now on the ground. She looks back, I'm like, I'm, you know, it's cool, I'm doing arm, I'm going to do body, body weight, body weight, body weight stuff, and I'm body weighting this, this exercise, and by the end of it, she's going, like, it's like the, at the end of the 20, 25 minutes, 28 minutes, it's like, okay, now it's cool down. And I'm like, cool, what? Like, I am dying here. So I just fell on the ground, and, and I could not believe how much I was sweating. I got mad. If you, if you do workout videos, whether you are a guy or a girl, and if you're a guy, I don't, I don't understand it, but whatever. And so I got mad props for you, like mad props, because it is much harder than I thought it was going to be. And I want you to hear me as a married person that's struggling, that maybe Maybe it has snuck up on you, the fact that this relationship is going to be extremely hard work. A great marriage has many benefits, right? But nobody reaps the benefits without putting in the work. And here's a little side note for you. If you're dating somebody right now that does not display the attributes of being a hard worker, do not marry them. I'm telling you. So what do you mean by that? Do they, do they quit their job the first time it's hard? Do they always change their major every time one professor's mean to them? I think that's funny, by the way. This professor's just unfair to me. Well, did you do your work? Well, no, but they wouldn't give me, you know, more time. <laughs> did he give you a symbus or she give you a symbus or whatever syllabus, whatever the heck it's called? <laughs> I never looked, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't need something, man. And so he, he, here's the thing. If you're dating somebody who, who doesn't display the attributes of being a hard worker, you shouldn't date them because when you get married, I can promise you, eventually it's going to be hard work. In fact, I love, I love what it says in Revelation 2. It says this. It says, yet I hold this against you. 
You have forsaken the love you had at first. Consider how far that you've fallen. Watch what he says right here. This is, this is advice to a church, but it's also relationship advice because the church is the bride of Christ to Jesus. And so here's, here's what he's saying. He's saying, repent and do the things you did at first. And so do the math. Do the math. Let me just give you a litmus test of how you know you're not doing what you did at first. If you were, this is just a very simple one, by the way. Don't get offended by this. This is just the best one I could think of. And so, but if you look one way on your wedding day, and then flash, fast forward a few years, and I'm not talking about the aging process. What I'm talking about is the comfortable process. You know what I'm talking about? They're different. The aging process gives you wrinkles, right? The comfortable process gives you bigger clothes. You know what I'm saying? And you've been married for a few years, and somebody looks at your wedding photos and goes, who's that? You're probably not doing what you did at first. You remember when you were first going to get married, and you were doing the workout videos, and you were watching what you eat, and what was your motivation? Come on, what was it? They're going to see me naked. I'm going to go to Cancun. I'm about to be in a Speedo with my wife. I don't want her to be embarrassed of me, right? 18 years later, I'm like, I'm fine. I'm going to Jersey. It's fine. <laughs> it's totally fine, right? I'm good. Doing, doing, not doing what I did at first. This happens in my conversation. This happens in our dates. This happens in everything. Do the work. What do you do? Do what you did at first. Work as hard as you did to get them to marry you. And I promise you, if you're having marriage struggles, you're probably not. So let me just give you a few, a few more real quickly. Uh, we don't expect what I would call seasons in marriage. Another, another, another little, 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 little fox is, is the unexpected seasons of marriage. Let me just explain to you seasons because some of us don't under, understand. Se- seasons happen in marriage. So you have, you have, you have the summer. We're just going to call that the honeymoon stage. You know, you, do I need to explain it? You know what that is. Okay? Some of you are like, I want that back. Okay, go get it. Do what you did at first. Get sexy, right? And so, like, start lifting, all that stuff. Communicate. And so you have, you have the hot season. And then, then you have spring. And spring represents the season of growth and where you're getting to know each other and stuff. And that, this even happens in marriage where you're, you're figuring out new things about the person. And then you have autumn in a lot of marriages. And autumn is the season of doubt where it's like, I don't know if I made the right decision. And I can promise you at some point you're going to have that. You're going to look at that person and you're going to go, did I, did I, did I miss something? Season of winter, season of loss, you're going to have that. You're going to have the season where you, you just miss out on things and you just lose things and relationships are breaking and you, know, you have loss in your, in your physical family. Maybe a parent has passed away and you're dealing with that or maybe you have the loss of a son or, or a daughter or whatever happens. You're going to go through all of these seasons and here's the problem with too many married people. They don't expect it. Years ago, I went to Arizona. I went in February. It was 70 degrees. I talked to the pastor of this church, that, of this conference we went to, and I said, man, it's awesome to live here. He said, yeah, it's awesome till the, till the summer. And I said, why? He said, the summer is like 150 million degrees. And he said, all of my people, uh, they leave for the summer. They go to San Diego. I said, what's in San Diego? He said, heaven. I said, what do you mean? He said, San Diego, and I've never been there, so I don't know if it's true. San Diego is about 70, 75 degrees all year round. And so people go there, they come here right now, but they, they want, they'll spend the entire year in San Diego because it's perfect. And I, I started thinking about that principle. A lot of us expect marriage to be like San Diego. We want it 75 degrees, we want it hot and heavy, we want it all easy, we want every kid to come out right, we want to, we want to get along with all of our parents, we don't ever want to get sick of each other, we want to have this season where it's just perfect. But I would tell you, here's why I love Pennsylvania, because I think it's more like God and his seasons, his understanding. We, there's seasons. Like, you know if you live in Pennsylvania. Now, maybe not this year, not as bad, but it's still winter, right? And you have winter every year. Some of you complain, like, I hate winter. I'm like, you live in Pennsylvania. What do you mean you hate winter? 
I don't like winter. It's so cold. I'm like, it's yeah, and it snows. Yeah, that's what it does. But here's the cool thing about winter. Eventually, what comes? Spring. And spring comes and stuff blooms no matter how long or short the winter is. Eventually, spring comes. And after spring, summer is coming. And I have heard from the Lord that summer is going to be six months this year in Pennsylvania. Can I get an amen? And summer comes. And, and, and it's nice. And we can swim. And we're outside with barbecues. But mark my word, no matter how much you hug on summer, I love you, summer. Eventually, stuff starts falling and autumn comes. And you can smell it in the pumpkin spice air. All right? And maybe you love autumn and you're like, there's good things. And, you know, I'm doubting, but I'm working through it. And then eventually, eventually, no matter what you want, autumn kind of passes and Christmas happens. And then it's, it's the dark of winter again. But then, then, then winter goes away and what comes again? And here, here's the thing. Some of you don't understand that concept about relationships. Relationships have seasons and nobody is in the hot seasons all, all the time. In fact, it's biblical. Watch what, watch, watch, watch what Solomon said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He says, he says, there's a time for everything, a season for every activity under the heavens. Tell me if this doesn't sound like a marriage relationship. Watch what he says. A time to be born and a time to die, right? You're going to have times where you're celebrating the birth of a child possibly, and you're going to have the times when you mourn the loss of a loved one, a parent. You're going to have a time to plant and a time to root, a time when you're moving, and a time when you're laying down roots. You're going to go through both of them. Now, this one, I don't know how it applies. Figure it out. A time to kill. Don't do that. There's a time to heal. There's a time to tear down, a time to build up, a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones, and a time to gather them. Do you get where I'm going? Solomon says, listen, there is a time for everything under the sun. And so here's the thing. Don't ever let the season that you're in no matter how difficult it is, be the reason that you're going to give up on your marriage because it'll pass. A season is not something you stay in forever. It is something you need to stick through together. Don't give up in a difficult season. They asked married couples that were very unhappy and then figured out how to get happy years later. And most of them years later said, man, we are glad that we stayed together. They said, what is the one thing that you did? They said, we developed endurance. We developed this thing called endurance. And the number three, last, last one on this, is I think we don't expect uh, to get so scarred or hurt in marriage. We, we don't expect that marriage would hurt so, so bad. And here's what I want to kind of preference this thing. I'm not talking about physical abuse. I'm not talking about somebody saying, okay, well, they, they beat me up physically, and that, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. That's never okay. Cowards do that. And so here's the thing, though. What I want to talk to you about is I want to talk to you about uh, the scars you get from them as, as, as a, a spiritual and difficult moments. You ever, you ever have a baby and you look at your baby and you go, hey, this baby's never going to hurt me, <laughs> right? Like this, this child, you hold this baby, you're like, this baby is just perfect. If you're a parent, you know, what is it, three weeks later? Oh, you're hurting everything, right? But seriously, they get older, they turn into teenagers. And I remember as, as, a, as, a, as a teenager looking at my parents, not understanding the scope of all things that, that parents do and, and looking at them. And maybe you did this as a teenager, and I probably need to apologize for this and repent. Uh, and just saying, I hate you guys. Ever do that? I hate you. And they never told me in that moment, you, you, you hate me. You don't hate those straight teeth that I gave you with those braces. And you don't hate those meals. And you don't hate, you know, all that bed you sleep in. And you hate me. They didn't do that. But looking back on that, looking back on that, I, I think to myself, man, how, how did I do that? But then I realized my, my time's coming. <laughs> There's going to be a moment that my, my sons look at me and say, I just don't, you're 
ruined in my life. You don't want to go to that party. Everybody else is going to that party. You are ruining everything about my life. And it's so hard to comprehend when you're when in the baby phase, right? And it's what happens. You stand with this person at the altar, and you look at each other, and uh, you're like, they're never going to hurt me. They're never going to let me down. They're never, like, there's been people that have scarred my life, the outside. But me and you, were partners in crime, and we're never going to hurt each other. And I got to tell you something. It's just not true. There's going to be a moment where you, you say something to them in a, in a fit of anger and rage, been backed into the corner like a wounded animal, and you know where to push the buttons on them because you've spent time, and they've, they've revealed their soul to you, and you know what they've struggled with, and you're going to, by nature, because you're, a, you're not a good person, you're going to strike back at them and say something that is going to deeply wound them. And that, that's going to go both ways. There's going to be a time in, in your life uh, where trust is going to be broken. And, and some of you, it's a big thing. Like, man, they had an affair on me. Uh, they looked at pornography. Uh, they, they, they commented on an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend's page on Facebook. And, man, we're having a hard time trusting. Others of you, it's just going to be as simple as, hey, I had this expectation of this person. But I never really told them what it was. And I had this expectation. And they didn't come through. And now I'm having a hard time trusting them with everything. There's going to there's be times where, uh, where moments are just going to leave you heartbroken. It's just part of it. Like if you're married to somebody for long enough, you're going to have moments where it just feels like, man, I can't believe this person that I walked down this aisle with, man, that I love so much that has hurt me in this moment so bad. And they're going to go both ways. If you ask, we've been married for 18 years. Uh, there's been things that I've said to my wife that I did not know the impacts of it in the moment. But, but years later, I learned that that was deeply devastating and wound, wounding to her. And I had to repent to her. It just flew out of my mouth. Some of you say, then how do you stay, stay married? Or what, what does that look like? And here's what you need to understand. The reality of your marriage is that you married a sinner. You and him, you and her, they're sinners. And because we're sinners, it's going to make marriage really difficult. And what I have found out is a happy marriage is the union of two really good forgivers. It's two really good Forgivers, and here's what the Lord spoke to me today because I was kind of praying over this thought, and I'm going to really speak about this in a few weeks. Uh, but what he spoke to me was, he said, tell them to stop holding their spouse to a standard that my son does not hold them to. Jesus does not expect you to be perfect. Jesus does not expect you to never hurt him. Jesus does not expect you to never leave him. Jesus does not expect you to never turn your back on him. Jesus does not hold you to that standard. He gives you forgiveness, and he gives you grace, and he gives you mercy, and he is faithful to you even when you are faithless. And the Bible says that we are to bear with one another and forgive each other's sins the way that Jesus forgives us. So you're holding your spouse to the standard right now, but you're trying to walk in freedom, which, by, by the way, if you're doing that, I promise you your relationship with God is struggling because the Bible says to the extent that you forgive others, that's the extent that I am able to forgive you. So some of you are like, I don't feel God when I pray and I don't do this. And he's going to say, yes, because you have a super bitter, resentful heart. And I'm going to tell you, forgive them. And some of you are going to say, yeah, I do forgive. I just never forget. And you don't forgive. You don't forgive. Because the Bible says when Jesus forgives, that he forgets it as far as the east is from the west. Now, some of you haven't been in church. I've talked about this before. But if you do your little geography, little geography research, if it's as far as the east is from the west, if you're east and you start to go west, what do you eventually get back to? 
Come on, how long have you been in school? East. In other words, you're going to go looking for that sin, and he's just, he forgot it. Well, where's that sin? Where's my shame? Where's that, where's that addiction that I had? Jesus said, once you ask me to forgive it through my cross, I wiped it clean. We're going to talk about this, and here's why it's so, it's so important. Because you can never be the type of forgiving person that you will need, not that you will, choose, you will need to be to your spouse until you meet the one who forgives. Until you meet the one, his name is Jesus. So I want to start there today. Because I can give you all sorts of practical insight. I can give you all sorts of practical wisdom. I can tell you, here's a funny story, here's a ride story, here's how we're going to tie this in. But at the end of the day, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you will not have the ability to live in grace and forgiveness with that person, and your marriage will always struggle. A great marriage, a great marriage, it exists between two really good forgivers. Really good forgivers. And some of you right now, I'm telling you to do something. You're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. You don't know how bad they've been. I get it. But I bet if I brought Jesus down here, and we rolled out the screen of your life, and we talked about just the last seven days, and we showed people what's inside your head, what you thought about and how you talked about it you would need that forgiveness that you're holding back from your spouse so maybe instead of pushing away and say I'm not going to forgive you not yet you haven't paid it enough maybe today you just go you know what I want my marriage to work out I'm going to give up this bitterness I'm going to meet the one who forgives and I'm going to give you the forgiveness and we're going to begin to move forward you walked away you grew apart now we're going to move forward would you do, do me a favor would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes with me we're going to move towards the end of this service. Uh, but you're going, to, you're going to make the commitment right here the next five weeks. Five weeks. All five weeks. Some of you really mad at me right now because you thought I was going to talk just to your spouse. You thought you were going to hear something that, you, that could confirm your bitterness and your anger and what you heard from me was that you need help as well. And here's the thing. Uh, that anger that you have deep down inside is really just the conviction of the Lord. It's not from me. Don't get mad at me. It's the conviction of the Lord, and that, that conviction is not the Lord pushing you away. It's the Lord bringing you in saying, I got something better for your life. I have something better for your life. Some of you are walking right now through a difficult separation and divorce, and man, this is really, really, really touchy. It's pulling open wounds. It's, hurt. it's hurting, man. This was a really difficult thing. And Satan is telling you, stay away. Don't come back the next four weeks and then come back after that. And you can kind of pick up where you're going. No, no, don't give him that. Just keep, keep coming and keep allowing the Lord to do what only the Lord can do. He can heal you. He can make you whole. He can give you forgiveness over, over that person that, that, you, that has hurt you, that you're bitter towards. He can get you ready for whatever is next. But you can't go into what's next being wounded from what happened in the past. And here's the thing, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, you cannot walk into the relationship that I'm talking about you walking in until you have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ because he's the forgiver. It's in him that you have the ability to forgive in an otherworldly type of way. Forgiveness is God's idea. Forgiveness is God's idea. And you cannot be the type of person until you meet the one who came to set you free. His name is Jesus Christ. So I, I believe uh, without Jesus that it's almost impossible to have a healthy marriage. I might say it's impossible. You can't do it on our own. 
We can't love like we're supposed to love. We can't give grace like we're supposed to give grace. We can't give mercy like we're supposed to give mercy. We can't stay committed like we're supposed to stay committed. We'll live our life in feelings. And I can promise you, if you live your life based on your feelings, that you will always end up with a broken relationship. So that Jesus is here right now. I love the last song that we sang. And the reason is it was straight gospel today. Did you hear what it was saying? If you're broken, you're weary, you're heavy laden, you're in a pit somewhere, you're drowning, there's a rescuer, there's a redeemer, there's a lighthouse. There's the one that would reach down into that miry pit and set your feet on solid ground. I believe there's people in this place that think that they are broken beyond repair. They are bitter and angry and they can never get rid of it. And I believe that's a lie. I believe God can change you. I believe God can heal you. I believe Jesus can make you whole right now. I believe that bitterness and that resentment that, that resentment that you can walk out of it when you receive the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, when you walk into a relationship with him, you can walk out of that past. That's the story of the gospel. That Jesus hung on a cross for your sins and my sins. He was sacrificed for us. And on the third day, he walked out in power and in victory. And that's our story. That Jesus promises us forgiveness of sins and life and life to the full. A life of peace and hope and forgiveness and grace and mercy. He's a freeing God, friend. And so I don't think you can go anywhere else and do this thing that you've been, been doing, this marriage thing. Or maybe you're not even married today, but you know you need a relationship with Jesus Christ until you, until you receive him. See, God is a, is a gentleman. He doesn't force himself on anyone. He doesn't say, you're going to follow me. But he does reach his hands out to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he knocks at the door of our hearts. He reaches out to us. We receive him. He reaches, you receive, just like a gift. But you can't receive it unless you decide to. So I'm not sure who you are, what you've been through, what you're carrying. But you know you need forgiveness of your sins. You know that it's through him that you can forgive those that have hurt you. The Bible says that there's many in this midst that right now are weary and heavy laden. But if they come to Jesus, he would give them rest. For his yoke is easy and his burden is light. So whether you're, you're here right now, even, even joining online, even joining in the house right now, one of, one of those guys in the house right now, and you know that the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you in Montgomeryville and Limerick and Royersford, Phoenixville, all over this place. And you know you need to get your life right with, with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. We do the same thing every week. The Lord reaches out, we receive Him. The Lord, He reaches His hands out, we take a hold of them. And here's how we do that in faith in this moment. We're going to pray. We're not going to pray out loud. I'm not going to, you know, pray this long religious prayer, but we're just going to pray together. When we pray, I'm just going to say, Jesus, you see the hands, you see the response. And that's your only, only thing I want you to do right here. I'm going to ask you in a second, if you need a relationship with Jesus Christ, there's nobody looking around in this moment out of respect, but you just close your eyes. I don't care what you believe, how many times you've been here. But there's somebody here right now that would say, you know what? I need to step into forgiveness of sins. I need a relationship with Jesus Christ. He, he reaches, you receive. He is reaching his hands out to you, and you're going to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ right now. In the name of Jesus, if that's you all over these houses, whether your marriage is broken, you need Jesus, you're a single person, man, you're addicted, whatever's going on, and you need Jesus Christ right now, the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved.
If that's you all over our houses, would you just begin to shoot your hand straight up in the air? Today I need to step into the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Hand, 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 hand. Yes, yes, yes. Is there anybody else? Say, hey, Pastor, that's me. Yes, I love that. I love that. That's why we do church. Is there anybody else? Say, hey, Pastor Steve, that's me. Hey, there's somebody in Royersburg right now. Let's clap for them. We're going to wait a few more seconds in Limerick. I think there's somebody in Limerick right now. Your marriage is crumbling apart, and right now, the very first step is to give your life to Jesus Christ. The very first step is to give your life to Jesus Christ. Today, I want to call on the name of the Lord. Is there anybody else who say, hey, Pastor, that's me. He's reaching. I'm receiving. He's reaching. I'm receiving. Jesus, thank you for this day. Let's pray all over this house. Thank you, Lord, for my friends who responded to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you that there's no one that's unreachable. There's no one that's too broken. There's no one that's too lost. That a moment with you is better than a thousands elsewhere. That you're moving in power right now. That you're healing right now in this moment. In faith, you're healing people's lives forever, both inside and outside. Lord, you're, 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 you're fixing minds. The Bible says that we can renew our mind, that our mind becomes new. It's different than when we were living in sin, in bondage, Lord. That we're now a child of you, adopted into the family of God. And our mind is renewed. Our eyes are going to see differently right now. Lord, our heart is changing, Lord. It's going to change everything about us. People are going to wonder what happened. And we're going to tell them, February 9, 2020, I gave my life to Jesus Christ. He reached, I received. And when I received him, he changed me forever. I'm a new person. I'm a new person. And we're grateful for what you've done. We're grateful for what you're going to continue to do. Jesus, heal marriages. Jesus, set people free. Lord, there's people that aren't even here right now. Their spouses are here. Lord, they came today in a moment of desperation. And Lord, you've begun a good work in them. And that work that you've began in them, Lord, it's going to transfer to their spouse that's not even here right now. And Lord, you're going to begin to do something in a marriage that felt lifeless. Because God, you are the God of the resurrection. God, you are the God of the second chance. God, you are the God of the yes and amen. And Lord, we're grateful for what you've done. We're grateful for what you continue to do. Thank you that your word never returns void. Jesus, we love you. We love you. We're grateful to leave this place on mission for you. In your name we pray. Hey, one more time, church. Let's shout amen together. Let's clap as loud as we can. Hey, somebody else responded in Montgomeryville. Come on, church. Let's make some noise. Thank you for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to our podcast. If you decided to give your life to Jesus after hearing this message, or want to learn more about how you can join us in person, visit jrny.church for more resources or to find a location near you. Have a great rest of your day.